Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We're going to spend the hour today talking about the issue of tax foreclosures here in Wayne County, a really large issue that we've been grappling with for many, many years, uh, talking about what we might do to make that problem less than what it is, or maybe make that problem go away. And of course, that problem ties directly into the blight that we see in so many Detroit neighborhoods. Uh, we're going to start off talking with Wayne County Treasurer Eric Sabri. We'll also talk with Arthur Jemison, who's Director of Housing and Revitalization for the City of Detroit, and then Mike Wilkinson of Bridge Magazine, who was responsible for a great piece of journalism about this issue recently will be here later in the hour as well. We also want to hear from you uh, about tax foreclosures. If you live in a neighborhood where this is an issue, if you live in a neighborhood where there are empty houses that were made that way by tax foreclosure, give us a call and talk about what effect that has on your neighborhood. Are you somebody who's had a hard time keeping up with your property taxes? Maybe you're part of one of the payment plans that uh, that they have going for people who are behind on their taxes. Give us a call and let us know how that works for you. How easy is it to know where you're supposed to go to get these plans? How easy is it to keep up with your taxes here in, in Wayne County? Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work your comments into the conversation. You can call all hour today to talk about tax foreclosures. Also, uh, if you're somebody who's given some thought to the idea uh, of what the solutions might be here, if you have something you've dreamed up that you think would work better for uh, Wayne County, uh, and particularly uh, given the problems that we face in the city of Detroit with tax foreclosures, we'd love to hear what your ideas look like. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number. We are talking about this this hour as part of our work with the Detroit Journalism Cooperative. Uh, it's one of those things that we are, one of the issues that we're sort of following um, housing overall. How are we doing with housing in the city of Detroit and in and in Wayne County. Uh, and so we want to thank all of our partners in the Detroit Journalism Cooperative for all the work that they have been doing on this issue as well. Uh, so let's get started with uh, Eric Sabri, who is the Wayne County Treasurer, who joins me now. Welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Mr. Henderson. Yes. Morning. Yeah, it's a little hot here, right? <laughs> I rather I rather have it uh, hot than snowing as, outside. As Pat Bagelers just said, it is going to be ninety four today, which is a little, little more uh, steamy than I guess we're used to, um, than we're used to here in in early June in in the city of Detroit. Uh, I want to I want to start actually with uh, a cut that uh, from an interview that we did a while back with Warren Evans, who is the county executive of Wayne County. He and I were talking about a number of different issues, and the issue of foreclosure came up, the issue of the money that uh, that goes into his budget, in fact, every year uh, because of uh, the, the the sort of foreclosure uh, process and and the issues there. And I want to I want to I want you to hear what he said about 
about the process uh, that, that leads to that money going to his budget uh, and what he thinks ought to be done. If you didn't have that money, uh, the financial strain would be worse. Is that one of the reasons that we, the treasurer doesn't entertain a different way? No, no question. I mean, that would be blood money. I mean, I, you know, it, it, there's no doubt that the revenue is helpful, but anybody who would want to keep the status quo uh, in order to bring in the revenue shouldn't be in government. Right. Um, and <laughs> so, a pretty um, dark calculation. Yeah. Right? Okay, so that's Warren Evans, the county executive, Wayne, mm-hmm. saying saying that anyone who would want to keep the system the way we have it now is encouraging the idea of sort of taking blood money. I thought that was a very, again, as I said in the clip, it's a dark calculation, but it's also a pretty condemning statement. I want to give you a chance to to respond to that and then talk about how you might change the system so that it works better. Okay. <clears throat> Thank you, uh, uh, Stephen. Uh, first of all, I want to say that uh, no one person has all the answers to this problem. This is a problem that uh, is is a, a national problem, but it, it's uh, Wayne County is actually, unfortunately, leading the leading uh, entity in dealing with this problem because of the fact that it's the foreclosures are so severe here here in, here in Wayne County. Uh-huh. So it's a multifaceted uh, issue. And I will talk a little bit more later about some of the uh, things that we need to discuss in order to really address the root causes of of this. But as far as uh, keeping it the way it's always been, I think that um, to suggest that that's what we're doing, that I'm doing, is inconsistent with with our efforts to keep people out of foreclosure. Like we we, um, have reduced foreclosures already uh, from last year. But we've knocked on 6,500 doors. Our our office, as well as the uh, mem- members of the city, as well as nonprofit community, we made uh, thousands of phone calls, sent emails to people who are facing foreclosure. If we wanted to increase the revenue, and that was our main objective, then we wouldn't tell people to save their properties. We, well, we wouldn't make that. We wouldn't make that. Kate, we wouldn't make that great effort to go out and, and reduce foreclosures and keep people in their properties if we. We're trying to increase the revenue. Yeah. So, so talk about then what the things are that you're doing to try to to try to push this in in the other direction. The things that you're trying to do to keep people out of out of foreclosure. Well, one of the things is 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 educational. It's that letting uh, informing uh, the taxpayers of how they can uh, avoid for tax foreclosure. There's payment plans available. Also, understanding uh, how the interest and penalties are are assessed to uh, first year of delinquency, second and third year of delinquency, and how they can avoid that. Also, we have um, the interest-free reduction, interest reduction. Um, we won't say interest-free; it's interest re- interest reduced payment plans, which is uh, allows homeowners, owner occupants, to pay six percent uh, per year instead of the eighteen percent that's a st- statutory at this time. So. I think the other part that we do is, is, is find out those people who are um, struggling financially and are eligible for exemptions, letting them know that they can apply for a tax-exempt status because of their income. Yeah. And there's a certain percentage every year of taxpayers who are losing their properties because they don't have enough money to pay, but they would have been eligible for exemptions had they known or had someone help them through the process. It's a city decision to, to grant exemptions, but still it affects our office in that we've been doing more 
and we can need to do even more than that to make people aware because every year we find people who are uh, making less than the, the, the guidelines required for an exemption. So right. they shouldn't be paying property taxes at all. Right, right. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Eric Sabri. He's the Wayne County Treasurer. We're talking about tax foreclosure in Wayne County, how that happens, uh, how the money from that uh gets spent in the county. We're talking about potential solutions to what I would say is a crisis around tax foreclosure that has existed for a long time here in the city of Detroit. We want to hear from you uh, about tax foreclosure. What does that look like in your neighborhood? What does that look like maybe in your life? The idea that, uh, that taxes don't get paid on time and uh, that, that you may face uh, a tax foreclosure. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDT Facebook page, uh, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work your comments into the conversation. Let's talk about what does happen to the money that gets paid in interest and penalties when people fall behind on on their taxes. How does that how does that work? Well, we we collect taxes and and we distribute the taxes to all the taxing authorities. In other words, if let's talk about the auction, that's one of the things. Right? We have auction auction proceeds that we distribute to all all the taxing authorities, which is uh, the municipalities, the school districts, the the library, anyone that receives tax dollars, we distribute that money throughout we receive our office receives a, a fee for collecting and administering this this program. Right. Also, if there's any um, uh, surplus, it goes it it's it still goes into a fund at usually the end of the year before the fiscal year. We have a surplus that we can transfer something above and beyond what we consider a reserve that we need to to the general fund. Now, the uh, the, the treasurer uh, pre- preceding me, uh, Ray Wojtovich, well, he was uh, trying to become self-funded. And that means, let me explain what that means. Uh, we borrow money. What we do, we have a tax, delinquent tax revolving fund. And it's, it's unique to Michigan. And what happens is when the municipalities turn over their delinquent taxes to the Wayne County Treasurer's Office, we, we go out and borrow the money to fund them uh, so that they receive their money up front and that they don't have any interruption in their services. Right. And when doing that, we borrow the money. We, we pay a lot of interest. We pay interest for the money that we borrow. And then uh, we collect the debt. We collect the debt. So we're responsible for collecting the taxes. And then also the properties that don't get, uh, that don't get saved from foreclosure, we have sure. to take them to the auction. So then the auction proceeds, again, get distributed so we're, we're well, we have a debt service uh, on this on this delinquent tax revolving fund, and part of our bond pledge when we issue these notes, the pledges is that we're going to collect the taxes, and if we don't collect them, we're going to uh, adhere to the statute and take these properties to the auction. So, so I have two questions yes. uh, about what you were talking about there. Why why is it why isn't the county taking the money that it makes? off of this, the interest and the penalties, and plowing that back directly into prevention. In other words, why why shouldn't that money stop the the process from well, happening? Well actually that and, that's what that's what we do. We have we have a, a general fund part of our budget and we have a, a forfeiture foreclosure part of our budget. And this money, the forfeiture foreclosure part of the budget, does 
exactly that. That's what we're doing with our outreach efforts, with our so that funds that, that funds that, that the, funds yes. And then the second question I have is about the auction, which which a lot of people point to as part of the problem in terms mm-hmm. of the churn of of properties in and out of foreclosure. Uh, certainly, the auction is blamed for a lot of the blight that we see uh, in in the city of Detroit in particular. Why can't we Why can't we do this? differently. Talk about why we have to have that auction. Well, it's a statutory is that you have to have a public auction. It's just, And I think the issue is how the auction should be run. Because we're going to have to have a public auction. Because you can't, that's, that's part of the statute that the Public Act 123, it's, it's a, you have to have a public auction. Right. The question really, it, it depends on how the auction is conducted. And I think we have a lot of suggestions on how the treasurer should conduct the, the auction. And they, they're comparing our, our, our county to other counties who have hardly any foreclosures. And there's uh, Oakland County this year. I, I just saw um, County Treasurer Andy Meisner Friday, and he said he has between 500 and 600 foreclosures in Oakland County. Right. And we have about, right now, 10,700. 10, yeah. That we're, we, it's going to be reduced below that, but still, we're in the thousands and they're in the hundreds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, again, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. My guest is Eric Sabri, the Wayne County Treasurer. We're talking about uh, tax foreclosures. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call, 313-577-1019. That's 313 313- Five seven seven one zero one nine. Let's go to Michelle in Detroit. Michelle, welcome to Detroit today. Yeah, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, um, I'm calling on behalf of uh, my niece, who is in a rental, but it's a rent-to-own, and she's noticing that her landlord is not paying the taxes, and she's been paying on this with an agreement to rent-to-own, and um, she's. Afraid she's going to be evicted. What recourse does someone like that have? And um, I'll take my call off the air. Thank you very much, okay. Michelle. That's that's a very right. excellent question. The, the tenants, the tenants are the, uh, the number one victims of of landlords not paying their taxes, because uh, they are unaware most times that the landlord is not paying, and oftentimes they're in a situation where they believe that they're in a land contract or which was described as a rent to own. Uh, uh, process and most times the the owner who's do, who actually holds the contract is supposed to pay the taxes and and while they're collecting for instance seven hundred dollars a month maybe two hundred dollars is supposed to go to taxes to go to taxes sure. is toward the payment of of the land contract and they if the landlord or the owner doesn't pay the taxes then the the person who's living there is becomes a victim and that's that's a real challenge and. I'm looking at different ways to allow those properties to go through a foreclosure and and possibly a bundle or some way that but the city has to help because they have the opportunity to take those properties through the right of refusal right, and right. before the auction and if the city was was able to do that or the county because the municipalities and the county as well as the state have the opportunity to take properties before the auction then those properties could be purchased, the taxes could be paid, and then these properties could then be sold to the uh, to the occupants. Yeah. So there's a there's an opportunity there for that. Uh, let me ask you let me ask you this question. You you talked about the the statutory requirement that we have that public auction uh, to 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 sell the homes that are taken 
in tax foreclosure, uh, most of what you do, I, I understand, is is guided by the law, state law, that says this is how this should work. But I mean, as somebody who lives here, you have to see that that the process we're going through, uh, and the and the things that we're doing, taking people's homes, selling people's homes, it's not really working for the city. And so I, I wonder, well, I, and I know that you're not a state yeah. legislator. You're not a state legislator. You're not the governor. You can't just wave a magic wand and make these things go away. But I do wonder from your chair uh, what it looks like uh, to, to sort of have to, to, to do these things knowing that they don't make a lot of sense. Or, or maybe you think they do make sense. I'm not sure. Well, they, the, the problem that we have was never anticipated when they made the laws, this, the, the volume of foreclosure. So I do agree that the law needs some changes. I'm not sure exactly, uh, like I said, every, no one has all the answers mm-hmm. what all the changes that need to be made. But there's, there's a possibility through the what we call right of refusal where this, the municipality and the state could hold more and of the take property. these properties sure. before the auction. And uh, we've even allowed the municipalities to have a promissory notes with, with our office to take these properties before the auction. So therefore, if they don't have the dollars, they can still get a promissory note before the auction, take the properties, and then they could sell the properties and then pay us back. And, and they just have to make sure that, they, um, that the money that they owe us is secured by their fund, delinquent tax fund, that we're going to give them the next year. Yeah. And if they do that, we're willing to do that. So there's, there's an opportunity for folks to keep, that the municipalities control these properties and then pass them over to, uh, people who can be responsible for them rather than putting them in the public auction, which anyone then can purchase them. Uh, and that's a problem because right. you have people from foreign countries. Is there, is there you know, any leeway in your job? Is there anything that you can do differently that would make that auction less of less of a, uh, uh, a fueling sort of influence on, on blight? In well, the well, there, there is, it's, it's bundling, bundling properties, sure. putting them in the auction. But when you bundle properties, you you know the idea of bundling is to to pass properties through the auction, so that so that nobody really buys them. That's really the idea. Because if you bundle properties, someone will buy the bundle, and then you have the same problem that you tried to prevent. Sure. So if you bundle properties, but on the on the uh, other hand, when you when you do that, you are also um, taking money from the taxing authorities that uh, receive auction proceeds. And this shouldn't be done um, unilaterally. This is kind of a decision. Can't be. In other words, if I go to the library and say, "Well, you you are going to receive approximately eight hundred thousand dollars from auction proceeds, but you now you're going to get two hundred thousand. Is that okay? Is that okay for your budget? You know, the library, the library, uh, like are they going to say, "Oh, that's fine." Yeah. You know, we don't, we we can't make that uh, unilateral decision when so many people are receiving proceeds as well. That's that's something that has to be considered. Uh, if you could, if you could change things in Lansing to make your job make more sense in terms of the way that you have to deal with these things, what would you do? Well, one of the things that I would do is is allow local local uh, purchasers, local residents, the opportunity to to have a an opportunity to bid before uh, the general the general public. Because mm-hmm. I hear that a lot. <clears throat> some of the uh, residents of the city of Detroit, where we have about 90% of all of Wayne County's foreclosures, um, say, well, I, I've been living in this city all my life, 
been cutting the grass for the, the, the vacant house next door, boarding it up, keeping the drug dealers out of it. I've been doing everything to keep my neighborhood up. Why can't I bid first? Why can't I have a first opportunity to buy a property? Because I'm, invest, I'm invested in this neighborhood, and I care about the neighborhood. So that, that's one of the things I would, I would do is, is to give a local um, residents an opportunity to bid first. That's that's something I would do. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Eric Sabri. He's the Wayne County Treasurer. We are talking about tax foreclosure in Wayne County, uh, the effects of tax foreclosure, particularly here in the city of Detroit. We all know what those look like, uh, the, the blight that we deal with. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, uh, talk about solutions, talk about the problem as it looks in your neighborhood, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019 on the phones. Uh, Eric, I want to thank you for joining us here on Detroit Today. We'll have you back some other time mm-hmm. to talk more about this issue. I want to just say one more thing. Sure, go ahead. A, the, uh, this discussion really, really can't be a complete discussion unless we're talking about education job training, and jobs. Because when you look at... Uh, it's a poverty question. It's a poverty issue. When right. you look at the cities, the cities that are struggling, representing majority of the tax foreclosures in Wayne County, you're talking about Detroit, Highland Park, River Rouge, Ecorse, and Inkster. Those are the cities where the big numbers of foreclosure. Without those cities in trouble, Wayne County foreclosure issue is, is a really a non-issue. Right. Uh, you know, the, the, the problem is that it is caused by poverty, but that the foreclosure process is also fueling poverty. It's making people poor. And, and it, I guess the frustration that you might hear in my voice is that we don't, have, we don't have people talking about, well, what's an alternative to foreclosure? What's an alternative to taking people's property and then selling it at auction, which only yeah. drives – uh, blight and pro- poverty uh, further yeah. into these neighborhoods. That's true. It, the, every time you have a vacant house, <clears throat> you have potential for blight. <clears throat> and when people leave homes, they, the children, again, don't go to the neighborhood schools. They're, they're displaced, and a lot of problems occur. So our, our main focus is, is keeping people in their properties because of the fact that we, we can't, like you say, wait, we have a magic wand, but if we can drive the numbers down, then there's less properties going to the auction. That's where our number one focus is. And you, you'll see a big change this year from last year. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks very much for being here. Right. Thank you. All right. Up next, we're going to get the city's take on these issues. Arthur Jemerson, Director of Housing and Revitalization for the City of Detroit, will be here. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones, 313-577-1019. We'll be right back. News, music, culture, and community. Every day. Every day. Every day. On 1019 WDET. Detroit's public radio station. I'm in foreclosure. I'm trying to keep her out of foreclosure because that's how she lost her last house. So how much do you owe right now? Um, I think it might be about, about two grand. Okay. And so what happened? Basically, I had a... Uh, had two kids, uh, two change, uh, two job changes, and just fell behind. That's all. 
You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. That was Marnisha Cheers, a Detroit resident who is the first in her family to become a homeowner, speaking with WDET reporter Laura Herberg. Cheers and her mother now own the houses next door to each other. Marnisha brought her home, bought her home for $5,000 and it came with back taxes. She's a mother of three and is working on the line at Ford Motor Company. Here's is a frustrating but unremarkable story here in the city of Detroit. A person doing all the right things for her family who just can't seem to get ahead despite her efforts. It's a profile of city life we hear again and again. And the city of Detroit cannot afford to lose more residents like Mernesha. Part of WDT's work with the Detroit Journalism Cooperative today, we are talking about housing issues. How is Detroit doing with housing? We heard from uh, the county treasurer, Eric Sabri, in the first segment. And now we're going to hear from the city of Detroit. Joining me is Arthur Jemison. He is the director of housing and revitalization for the city of Detroit. Arthur, welcome to Detroit Today. So glad to be here. Good to see you again, Stephen. Yeah. yeah. So so you listen to someone like Marnisha Cheers. Uh, talk about the things that she's facing. You heard the treasurer in his first segment talking about the sort of limitations, I guess, uh, that that come with his job in terms of dealing with foreclosure, tax foreclosure, the auction, all of these things that are driving blight. Uh, you guys sit at the city sort of on the other end of this thing, uh, watching all of this happen, watching it unfold, and have to still figure out how to how to have a city, how to have a city that works, how to have a city that works for the people that live in it. Talk about uh, talk about how you manage that, given all of these other things that are going on. Well, I mean, we work closely with uh, the WAM Bank and uh, who's frankly got the closest relationship with uh, the treasurer uh, and the, the, the foreclosure uh, auction and and all the components of that. Um, and frankly, I think we've uh, we're see, starting to see um, reductions in the just the raw tally of, of foreclosures, and I think it has a lot to do with uh, the work that Charlie Beckham and and Vicky Cavari and the Department of Neighborhoods are doing uh, with volunteers and others going door to door, hosting the sessions that give people information about how to prevent foreclosure. Uh, and when it happens, um, I think we've got uh, innovative programs. You're probably beginning to hear about the buyback program and others that are targeted at keeping every Detroiter. Uh, we need every Detroiter uh, to stay here uh, with us. And so um, the programs that they're running, I think, are beginning to make a dent. And, and again, although I can't quote it off the top of my head, it's better uh, to have land bank leadership talk about it. Um, the, the numbers have gone down for the last two years, and we're hoping with continued outreach they'll continue to go down. Uh, what about the auction? I asked the, the treasurer about it. This is this is part of state law that says you, you have to – you have to have a public auction for properties once they're taken. He says the city could take more of those properties uh, as right of first refusal before they get into the auction. Talk about why that doesn't happen or why uh, maybe that's not the, the solution he thinks it is. Sure. So um, with right of first refusal, the city has uh, taken action over the last two years, uh, been more active in acquiring properties. Uh, typically, uh, we're trying to acquire properties that are in the city's interest to uh, to, to obtain uh, as part of uh, larger redevelopment plans. Um, 
We've recently begun conversations with uh, organizations like Ted Phillips's organization at uh, UCHC to talk about more strategic ways mm-hmm. uh, to do it. I think one of the, uh, the issues there is that there's, as a, I know you, we and I have talked about this, there's a lot of need out there. And yeah. when you begin to say, okay, well, we're, we're going to start um, using right of first refusal to uh, really do this work on a, on a big, big scale, um, you start saying, well, okay, uh, this becomes kind of a, a last refuge. And I think it, we don't want to create um, incentives that really work against the, uh, the, the, the sustainability and structure of the system. Sure. Again, uh, this is an area where land bank really leads the policy discussion. But um, you're going to see us active again in the right of first refusal. Uh, again, assembling parcels that help us advance projects like Fitzgerald, um, which um, has been written about a lot recently, uh, where we you know, use right of first refusal to get more parcels uh, and properties into that assemblage so they can be part of a larger redevelopment scheme. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Arthur Jemison. He's the Director of Housing and Revitalization for the City of Detroit. We are talking uh, this hour about housing in the city. We talked with Eric Sabri, the Wayne County Treasurer, about tax foreclosure in the first segment, the way that tax foreclosure drives blight in this city, the way it drives poverty as something that I believe happens in this city. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, uh, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work your comments into the conversation. Uh, All right, let's let's go to Gene in Detroit. Gene, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. Hey, Gene, how are you? Good. I'd like to ask Mr. Jemison why the city doesn't implement the, the nuisance abatement repair to own program that has been an ordinance on the books since 1983. Uh, great question, Gene. Uh, I'll, I'll give Arthur, sure. Arthur a chance to answer that. Go ahead. Sure. So, um, Gene, uh, Gene and I both uh, given testimony at the um, uh, at the BFA committee, uh-huh. uh, both fi- budget finance and administration committee on Wednesdays uh, with uh, President Pro Tem Cushenberry about I've uh, given testimony about this. And the city has a nuisance abatement program that it implements to. Uh, encourage owners to improve their properties. Um, it, it's it's resulted in a very significant number of new um, uh, household uh, house rehabilitations. Uh, it's been a very successful program. Uh, the iteration that um, that Gene's describing is one uh, that predates me and and was was done um, in the 80s and 90s. And I think a, a shared experience he and I have talked about is that many people would get um, get properties through this program. Uh, but be unable to resolve outstanding um, work mechanics liens and other issues, which would end up making it uh, impractical for them to uh, continue ownership. And we had uh, situations where people were giving properties back. So um, I think we're comfortable with the the uh, nuisance abatement program that we're pursuing uh, right now. We're thinking it, we sh- the data we've got shows that uh, it's resulting in significant uh, numbers of, uh, of of home rehabs, and we've only had to take. Uh, a few houses as a part of it. So uh, it's becoming the kind of uh, stick we need it to be 
um, to get people to rehabilitate houses. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to Rich in Detroit. Rich, welcome to Detroit today. Hello, Stephen Henderson. Hi. Uh, hey. Rich Feldman. Hey, Rich, wanna, how are you? Hey, good, good. Well, a couple things. One, I want to put on the agenda housing for disability, folks with disabilities, and the unbelievable small number of housing that's available. That's available. That could be, you are not that's available. Yeah. And that put that on the agenda somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but the big discussion, and I really appreciate your frustration, Stephen. Um, so I have a lot of trouble believing the bundling, except in a few examples that you point to, has really helped the city. And we'd like to propose that you think about and learn from Boston's Dudley Community Land Trust that it only had three foreclosures in the last 10 years huh. in Roxbury, Massachusetts. Okay, Roxbury is not Detroit. But if the whole, what they did when they had the crisis in the 80s, it, the government went and gave, created land trusts to neighborhoods. Right. So that the neighborhoods prevented the speculation that is going to be, is running rampant exactly. in our city. Rich, and, and, yes. Rich talk about, uh, I'm not sure everybody knows what a land trust is or, or or how that works? I mean, I I know what you're talking about, but but, okay. but for the listeners, uh, just quickly explain what that is. Of a neighborhood association, a community association that owns the land, so therefore the speculation and the gentrification that often follows doesn't take place as people own their homes but don't own the land. Right. Right. And that creates a different legal relationship, a different interdependent relationship, a different sustainability relationship. Because what I see happening with the land bank, except in the few examples that people continuously point to, is really a bundling by those that have lots and lots of money to then figure out how to create land scarcity and therefore drive up prices. Yeah. Rich, and, there, and that's why we're continuing to recreate this crisis and not resolve and it not solve we're, it. We're, yeah. we're incrementally feeding the feeding the monster and, and 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 trying to peel off one piece at a time. Yeah, Rich, I I really appreciate the uh, I really appreciate the call and those thoughts. I want to give Arthur sure. Jemison a chance to re- react to that. Why don't we? Uh, concentrate more on sort of community-based solutions to these to these problems. I mean, land trusts, like what Rich is talking about there. Why don't we see more of that in the city of Detroit? Sure. So um, I would say that we're actually quite interested in land trusts and have been uh, talking with um, philanthropy and, and some community organizations about the right kinds and methods to uh, to embrace in in doing that. Uh, we had uh, work done on it as part of the. Uh, inclusionary housing study that we uh, recently uh, did, and we've been talking to philanthropy about uh, expanding uh, expanding that. Um, I, I'm familiar with the Roxbury example mm-hmm. um, intimately. That was my district as a um, as an employee at the Redevelopment Authority. You can say um, you used to work in, yes, in Boston. Uh, for, so. Yeah, so I, I know it well. <laughs> um, and I think all the things that are being said about it are, are largely accurate. I think you've got a very strong and well um, and, and well-resourced organization operating that trust. Um, and it's, it's, it's not necessarily fair to compare that with um, the circumstances here. Um, although, but I should say it's important to mention we're, we're interested in launching a couple of these um, uh, over the next few years. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely an area of interest. I mean, we're, uh, it's part, one of the ways that we're trying to do development um, differently uh, today, and I know the, the mayor had a chance to talk about some of the heritage of um, 
of development in the city and, and who it favored and who it didn't favor and the ways that we're trying to uh, get development to occur in a different pattern now. So uh, exploring land trust is part of that, and yeah. I'd be happy to say more. Yeah, uh, Let's go to Jamal in Detroit. Jamal, yeah, welcome good, to Detroit today. Good morning, gentlemen. Yeah. I would like to know, has anyone within the county or the city ever thought about a budget to assist with small landscaping services to help when homes go into foreclosure either through the county or if it, the house went in foreclosure through a bank. I work in transportation, and um, I'm normally on the outskirts of Groves Point, all the Groves Points, the St. Clair Shores, and what I see is the few homes that probably have been in foreclosure, they border their homes from the inside instead of the outside, and in the high-crime areas, a lot of those foreclosed homes are bordered from the outside instead of the inside. And I, I, like I said, I just wanted to know, what, has anyone thought about a budget to assist with small landscaping services to assist with decreasing the blight when a home goes into yeah, it's a great It's a great question, Jamal. Thanks very much for the call and, and, and the input. Arthur? Sh- sure. So um, a couple of points. So one thing, we are very focused on bringing landscape into the way that we do redevelopment. As people may have read about the Fitzgerald Initiative uh, in the Livernoy McNichols neighborhood, uh, where we've got a uh, quarter square mile, um, 600 um, households living in that quarter square mile, uh, and we've got 115 uh, vacant houses um, belonging to the land bank. We've got a development interest, uh, Century Partners, uh, African-American-led development organization in partnership with the platform. We're going to uh, rehabilitate all 115 uh, of those houses and then landscape another 208 lots. Um, landscape is a critical part of how that project is going to change that neighborhood, uh, along with a small amount of demo and in the installation of a new um, public park. Uh, it's going to transform that that district and it, and landscape is a critical part of it. Uh, I credit Maurice Cox uh, and the planning team for um, conceiving a, a way of using landscape um, uh, in an innovative way. Uh, I would also mention that at the Mackinac speech, uh, which uh, I'll say a few things about in a second, uh-huh. the, the uh, mayor talked about um, the progress we're making in demo. Uh, we've got 11,000 houses down at this point, 66,000 uh, new street lights up. Um, but He's also focusing on having um, houses boarded um, and boarded in a uniform way so that uh, as we get close to the end of the uh, demolition process, the, those remaining houses uh, are, are boarded yeah, in a consistent way. He says he wants to board way. up all the houses that are that are vacant. Great idea. He says things all the time. That I'm like, I, I don't know how you're going to do that. And, and I would like to see the, the sort of practical plan to, to get that done, but but I think it's something that you know. I mean, you set a goal and 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 try to reach it, right? Uh, I, I want to give you a chance to talk about the mayor's Mackinac speech before we before we run out of time in the segment here. Go ahead. No, no problem. So, um, I, I the mayor had a chance to talk to a group of you know leading bankers and um, elected officials and all around the state, and he talked, um, I think, uh, passionately about um, the role that institutional racism had in uh, creating the city. We have today uh, specifically talked about a few examples like the destruction of the uh, business community in Paradise Valley mm-hmm. uh, and the replacement uh, of it with a high-rise public housing. 
which were options that were almost uniquely offered to, um, to the extent they were offered African-American households in the city. And um, whereas there was significant investment in mortgage um, and, and, and more protection around um, white neighborhoods and through redlining and other, uh, and other codes, uh, restrictive covenants, um, really offering two different kinds of uh, opportunities to um, white and black Detroiters. One group had something that was able to uh, help them create wealth, and another um, had um, high-rise public housing. Um, you know, and these places, uh, these policies, uh, you know, led at that time by uh, then Mayor Albert Cobo and, and other mayoral leadership. Um, we're really reference points in my own family. We've talked about this sure. a little our, ourselves. You know, my father, Conant Gardens, um, um, grew up in that neighborhood, talked about this all the time. Um, so it's these are reference points, and these are uh, indications of the way the development was done in the past. And Mayor tried to draw a contrast and show that uh, as we've got see, begin to see market strength in Midtown and Downtown, that we've been using that market strength to create. Uh, affordable housing through negotiations with uh, developers um, as they come to the council table um, uh, to get uh, the affordable housing that are going to serve households uh, at the levels that Detroit households are, are at. Uh, he also talked about how folding it into development means that we're creating uh, economic integration uh, along with the development we're doing. And I think now as we're beginning to see the fruition of plans like the Livernoy McNichols plan, which is resulting in Fitzgerald and there's plans operating in Northwest Grand River and and uh, um, uh, and in the area uh, Rosemount Claremont uh, sorry Rosa Parks uh, Claremont we're going to have new plans coming out of those initiatives that are reflective of those neighborhoods um, interests and concerns so we're making uh, and taking steps to do that development differently uh, and try to uh, fix some of the problems of the past and move in a in a direction that brings us together yeah. uh, I think the mayor. One city for all of us is the message he was sending at that at that. Yeah, day. I mean, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure on him to to make some of what we're seeing in downtown and midtown really matter more in mm-hmm. these neighborhoods. I was happy to see him connect that to history and to talk about how we got here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still we still waiting to see the results. I think in a lot of in a lot of places. So fair enough. And uh, I, I think it's it, great that he's focused on it, though. So absolutely. All right, Arthur Jemison, director of housing and revitalization for the city of Detroit. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. It's my pleasure. Great seeing you again. Absolutely. All right, up next, Bridge Magazine reporter Mike Wilkinson joins the show to talk about his reporting on housing. Stay with us on Detroit Today. listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us as part of WDET's work with the Detroit Journalism Cooperative. Today, we are talking about housing. We heard from Wayne County Treasurer Eric Sabri, Arthur Jemison, the Director of Housing and Revitalization for the City of Detroit. And now we are going to hear from a journalist who has been writing about uh, these issues. Mike Wilkinson of Bridge Magazine penned an article that was titled, Sorry We Foreclosed Your Home, But Thanks for Fixing Our Budget. Mike Wilkinson joins me now in studio. Welcome to the show. 
Uh, thank you for having me. Also, WDET Special Projects Manager Sandra Swoboda is here in studio as well. Hello. Absolutely. Good to see you. Uh, Mike, talk about uh, this story. We had the treasurer on uh, for the first segment. I asked him about this this strange relationship that uh, that we have in our government here where the poverty that drives people to not be able to, to pay their taxes ultimately winds up in money that helps keep the county afloat. It's a pretty, it's a pretty perverse equation. And when you look at it, you, you can talk about it being a silver lining or a gold lining uh, because the county, you know, Lucas, I mean, Wayne County is not the only county in the state that gets the surplus, but it's gotten the biggest surplus. And it's kind of astonishing you know, over the last you know, 10 years, uh, over $400 million in surplus from this process, which is just, you know, bringing misery to people who have to pay really high interest rates just to remain in their homes, how that money is now ending up balancing the budget of the county. Um, it, it, it erased a surplus in 2014, and it, it's kind of made this, the, the county somewhat solvent um, going forward. They know the money's going to go down, uh, but the fact that you, know, you, you have a, a county a community that has seen such high rates of foreclosure, and then the silver lining is the county gets to balance its budget on on the the really high rates and fees that people pay just to get their homes. I mean, back. essentially on the backs of the poorest people in the county, the people who who are losing their homes uh, because they couldn't couldn't pay their taxes. I, I, well, a lot of these people don't lose their homes, and that that's the people who who pay the money to avoid losing their homes. Right. I mean, if you had a, a tax bill that went delinquent for a thousand dollars, and you know because you lost a job or, or you know things happened within your life. To get that back and, and and not find yourself down the process towards losing the house, you'd have to pay anywhere from you know, let's see, twelve hundred dollars mm-hmm. to get it back. So well, that extra two hundred dollars is what ends up balancing the county's budget, and nothing changed in your life except your you know two hundred dollars you know down. Right. And the county's like, well, thanks for the money. Yeah. Uh, Sabri says that they take that money and they plow it into foreclosure prevention, which is a good thing. Uh, Sandra Soboda, talk about the things that he might do to sort of send this all in a different direction. What are kind of what are some of the options that the treasurer has? Well, they, we've seen them uh, doing more efforts on foreclosure prevention, and like he mentioned, working with some of the nonprofits uh, in the area to get people aware of these programs. There's been door knocking going on that's sometimes done by the county, sometimes done by outdoor outside contractors, where they really literally go and knock on all the houses and also dig back in a year later to see what's happened to these properties. And I think, I mean, uh, this is a really, really complicated story, and it's 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 easy to look at one one budget line of it, and I'm not saying that's not something we shouldn't do. But how, as as Arthur, as uh, Eric Sabri brought up at the end of his segment, how do we measure the effect of these foreclosures? You had Matthew Desmond in the book Evicted and talking sure. about the spiral effect of that. It's evictions. a cause of poverty. It is a cause of poverty. It's not only a reflection of it, but just the impact that it has on home values in that neighborhood of kids jumping around from schools of missed work for people it becomes a very very complicated financial equation for municipalities and communities that we're not really equipped to uh, draw that complicated formula here yeah go ahead well, you, you, when he talks about the foreclosure efforts that he's taking you know that he's under undertaking yeah. he he and the office and his predecessor have not spent 400 million dollars on this, they've they've spent some money on it. Um, what you know, Eric told me, and, and and what the county has said is, you know, he gives them the money, they decide, and they decided to balance their budget. 
And, and, and if you want to look at a difference, you just have to look up I-75 to Flint, the Genesee County treasurer. Uh, yes, she had a surplus. She had a surplus disproportionate to the size of the community because like us mm-hmm. in Wayne County, they had a lot of distress. Well, she sends $5 million surplus to the county, but she made sure a million dollars went towards blight removal and demolition. Right. Uh, you know, Eric has said that, well, I can't tell them how to spend the money. In, in, in Flint, they did. They said, no, if we're, we need to help these communities that are enduring this, this pain because if that house is foreclosed and someone leaves it, well, then maybe the same thing happens to the house next door. So there, there are other ways that you can, you can use this money to, to help alleviate the misery that, that, it, that it comes from. And another thing that the Genesee County Treasurer does is she spends $800,000 with the land bank in Genesee County to protect the properties that are foreclosed as a, le- a level of security and safety so that maybe at some point they they have the val- they retain their value and can become part of the, the tax base again. Yeah. Well, what about the auction? I asked the treasurer about the flexibility he might have under the current law to not have not be selling people's homes after he takes them. He says he doesn't have that flexibility and that he would need a, a change in the law to deal with that. Well, I was a little surprised when he said that. I was in the green room and heard him say that because, again, in Genesee County, uh, the city of Flint does not allow their properties to be so, to be purchased piecemeal, that you know someone can come in and just bid. The, the county... They're or, bundling sorry, the, them. Pardon? They're bundling They're them. They're bundling them. Yeah. So the, then, then the land bank, and, and it, it's controlled by the city. Um, you know, obviously in, in, in Wayne County, anybody from, you know, Indonesia to Indiana can come in and bid on these properties and they can own a piece of Detroit. I mean, who wouldn't want a piece? So you, 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 when he says that, you know, yes, he, they have an auction that they feel is open to everybody, but there are examples just less than a hundred miles away where they do it a little bit differently. Right. Right, and go ahead. I, I think part of the frustration about that process is we don't have really good data. There's some out there, but uh, the time since the housing crisis and the three-year process before uh, not paying taxes for three years before properties go to foreclosure, and then they go to auction, and then what happens? And I think that's a big question that we need some more data on so that we can really have better public policy answers. Right. We're I mean, there's there. a lot of there's a lot of churn. First of all, right, mm-hmm. the things that get auctioned later end up back in in tax foreclosure. But the one thing we know for sure happens is that these houses go empty and and they start to drag down, in some cases, stable blocks or make unstable areas even more unstable. And so there's really no question that that this is not helping any of the problems that we have with housing here in the city of Detroit. All right. Mike Wilkinson of Bridge Magazine, Sandra Sobota, Special Projects Manager here at WDET. Thank you both for being here. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that's going to do it for me today. I will be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. Detroit Today is produced by Laura Weber Davis and Jake Neer. The program director is Joan Isabella. Technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. Associate producers are Aaron Allen, Addie Wallace, Gus Navarro, and Rhea Basha. Detroit Today's theme song was composed by WDET's Sam Bobian. This is 101.9 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, community service of Wayne State University. See you tomorrow.